Today's session is all about Mr. Bo Wang, uh, zooming in from uh, Switzerland. And he's going to talk about something very interesting um, about the uh, environmental, environmental issues um, concerning uh, rituals and whatever is left over from uh, certain rituals. He is uh, currently a senior postdoctoral researcher at the Lab of Cultural and Social Anthropology in the Institute of Social Sciences at the University of Lausanne, Switzerland, and received his PhD in anthropology from the University of Wisconsin-Madison in 2017. The general um, subject of his research, uh, sacred trash and personhood, will um, in the near future, I hope, uh, also turn into a full-fledged book. Um, there are a few articles uh, that already shed some light on his um, research, which is also based on fieldwork. And everything else uh, Bo will talk about. Go ahead. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Daniel and Isabella, for inviting me to this talk series hosted by Development Studies at Oxford. And thank you for everyone listening in. And today I will explore the relationship between sacred trash, trash talks, and personhood. So the development of tourism as a top priority of local governments has led to friction between Tibetan and Han Chinese. Ethnic Tibetans have long regarded the snow-capped mountains of eastern Himalayas as personification of deities who have the power to protect people as long as they're worshipped with actions that include the bestowals of material offerings. The recent burgeoning of Chinese economy has enabled numerous Han Chinese tourists not only worship these mountain deities along Tibetans, but also later the environment with plastic waste. The high perform a cosmopolitan imaginary of sacred and ethnic subjectivity while consuming this imaginary through activities such as taking photos and depositing their own material offerings. This consumption has created conflict regarding how to define these objects, a conflict that can be illuminated through the understanding of what constitutes trash. So within this context, the friction between Tibetan and Han Chinese manifests itself in two different understanding of what constitutes a moral approach to the environment and thus what constitutes a moral or good person. On the one hand, the Tibetan idea of mountain deity or mountain persons, mountains as sacred and sentient beings, have been re revived along with the discourse of environmentalism. On the other, the notion of untouched and veiled mountains um, have gained popularity along with the growth of tourism and consumerism. So one type of good person maintains a re reciprocal relations with mountain persons through a ritual action of leaving objects as offering on mountains. Another good person enters into hierarchical relationships with mountains by consuming the objects of the mountains, a consumerism framed as the performance of a co cosmopolitan appreciation of Tibetan ethnic subjectivities. Both activities generate excess objects 
in the mountain landscape. But interpretation of these objects are politically and morally divergent. So this talk used the term trash talk to show how talk of waste and personhood reveals the complex relationships between Tibetans and Han Chinese under conditions of mass tourism and its associated problem of waste. What characteristics do these forms of trash talk have? And how do, some, how do they shape people's understanding of forms of personhood that are generated in the space between mountain persons and consumer persons? So to understand trash talk, it is important to compare the customs of Tibetan and Han Chinese who visited the Eastern Himalayas. So Tibetans, they collect merits from mountains and maximize benefit for their families. They travel long distances in family units or multi-family groups. They carry as much as food, as much food, bedding, silk scarves, prayer flags, and incense as they can. Tibetan guest house owners usually give discount rates or accommodate these travelers for free on the condition that the travelers take prayers with the host's name with them to the sacred sites. By contrast, Han Chinese, they are usually individuals or groups assigned by travel agents based on age, profession, hobby, or common origin. So they are well equipped with bottled water, oxygen inhalers, walking sticks, and clothes made of waterproof or cold resistant fabric. So no benefits from merit making exchanges with Tibetan hosts, no discounts from they only have discounts from booking agents or reduced group rates. To a degree, the comparison is a comparison for, of the rural versus the urban. The numbers of Tibetans and Han Chinese also fluctuate in different patterns. For the Tibetans throughout the year, and they come regularly, and the peak attendance is in the year of Ram, a mountain person of this region called Kawakapo, Literal translation is the white medicinal god was born in the year of Ram. So travel at the birth year multiplies the merits making by 12. And also Tibetan visits uh, as significant items uh, times in their life cycle. For example, births, wedding, deaths. Han Chinese, uh, however, their peak uh, attendance time are the legal holidays. For example, National Day holiday winter or summer school breaks and yearly vacations for retirees are usually at warmer months. So talks of waste abound in both groups. For the Tibetans, they offer garments of their own or their family member or friend as sensory receptors through which the mountain person may hear, see, touch, and feel the presence of the devotee in the hope that these garments will encourage the mountain person to respond to devotees' requests. The Tibetans talk among themselves about how the sacred sites are being trashed by Han Chinese, who leave behind everything from plastic water bottles to nylon socks. Forms of drepa, or pollution or disruption in social order, that Tibetan claims will offend the mountain persons. Conversely, the Han Chinese arm themselves against unsafe drinking water with plastic bottles. Talk about Tibetans being problematic in terms of their hygiene and untrustworthiness. Because of the suspicion that they are charged higher prices, 
than the Tibetan visitors. The Han talk of Laji involved Laji is the Chinese word for waste, involves characterization of Tibetans as lazy welfare riders, beneficiaries of state ethnic policies, and receivers of favoritism in education, birth, and other fields. Even as the Han ignore the marginal position that Tibetans have had collectively occupied in the course of state-supported development in China. These forms of talking about each other may seem mundane even manner, yet they mask powerful ways of creating and maintaining inequalities. So Emily McKee coined the term trash talk to examine social, economic, political orderings produced through everyday talk related to trash in multi-ethnic societies. McKee suggests that trash talk between ethnic groups normalizes certain distinction through labels of dirty and disorderly, and also naturalizes links between dirty people and the need to remove or reform them. In this talk, I adopt McKee's term trash talk in order to analyze the social, economic, and political understanding of Tibetan and high tension surrounding trash. My analysis amplifies McKee's concept to encompass specific forms of waste as a material foundation for, from which such trash talk emerges. I also juxtapose talks of what constitutes trash side by side with what constitutes good person using interviews with key informants to illuminate the way these two questions inform and create each other. In doing so, I call attention to the complex role of trash talk in shaping interethnic tensions, which I argue center around the definition of personhood that oscillate between poles of mountain persons and consumer persons. So the division between Tibetan hosts and Han Chinese tourists may seem to boil down to the sacred versus the secular, and some may consider their trash talk is precisely about the dualism. Martin Mills in 2003 first elaborated Drepa, or he called it Drip, as a Tibetan concept meaning pollution and disruption in social order. Tibetan hosts identify as Drepa certain behaviors of Han tourists, including shouting at sacred sites where water mountain deities live, buying more than they can consume, ignoring bodily gestures to show humility when making offerings to deities. Han tourists often talk about unclean habits of Tibetans, including poor body hygiene, use of unfiltered drinking water, and littering, secular distinctions that are meant to define Tibetans as the opposite of the modern and clean Han. But if we automatically impose an imagined binary of secular Han and sacred Tibetan, inequalities in earning opportunities in the new tourist development are disguised. Trash and trash picking are crucial issues for Tibetans whose income is dependent upon a continuous influx of tourists. Han tourists, after all, come to Tibetan areas of Yunnan expecting to see the supposed pristine, pollution-free, and sacred world that they can consume. Abstract con concepts such as Drepa is embodied through daily experience. Therefore, it is important to examine the actual waste management in East Himalaya and to understand the ways that waste intersects with and shapes the daily lives of local residents. 
the details of inequalities are meaningful and useful in that they may transcend the imagined boundaries of Tibetans and Han Chinese. So today's talk, I examine social transformation of trash into trash talk and from environmental material to into social and political. So I have three sections. So first I lay out the waste management infrastructure of Shangri-La. And the second, I talk about used garments as not trash and sacred sites. And the lastly, I talk about redefining morality through trash and personhood. So the area I did my research is called Tibet, Diching Tibetan Autonomous Prefecture. It was incorporated into PRC 1957. Since 2000s, the tourists become a tourist site under the West Development Project. In the past few years, in the Belt and Road Initiative, this place gained new popularity. And the name uh, was from the 1933 uh, Lost Horizon, uh, James Hilton's uh, fiction and it was made into reality. So the Han Chinese come here to appreciate the fantastic views of Tibetan town and escape air pollution and state stress associated with urban life. And they consume the local culture. So by 2016, uh, for this town, Shangri-La, 50,000 local population received 19 million tourists and earned 14.1 billion yuan revenue. So the high volume of tourists has generated a constant stream of plastic water bottles, tin cans, waste paper, and other objects, creating a solid, solid waste crisis for the vulnerable highland ecosystem. Nature tourism is an exploitation of the notion of nature by capital and othering Tibetan people in the Han dominant Chinese society. But the pressing issue now is this solid waste crisis. And what I see from research, I found three factors are shaping the waste crisis. First one is the municipal solid waste system beyond the capacity of mid-sized city because of the large volume of tourists. So the sanitation workers here, they are on an eight hour shift and they are alert to any possible waste but the waste bins on the streets are always overflowing. So in 2012, nine kilometers south of the city, and they built a landfill, but cannot proceed and process waste produced in other regions. Um, for example, Yubeng, and which is a tour main tourist attraction due to a section on paved road. The second factor, the formal waste management sector lacks a government-run sorting system. Instead, more than a dozen family-run workshops across the city process metal, glass, paper, and card box, and plastics from construction waste, home in electronics, and food hospitality businesses. But they are unstable. Interviews with them shows that quite a few of them, they're planning to abandon their workshops to join their relatives in Kuiming, which is the capital city of Yunnan, and because of a slight decline in tourism. The third factor is the rural tourist attraction sites become the vacuum of waste management and it become a case-by-case -case negotiation between the local villagers and the local government. And yet these rural areas are usually held as sacred sites and they are less connected, so which produce uh, kind of high transportation fees.
So my specific site is Yubon village. It has only 140 people, quite remote. And for example, the children attend schools six hours away by motorbike. And the closest village, um, yet it is closest village to the mountain person, that is Kawakabo I mentioned before. So it has 35 households and usually are made into home hotels. Food services were also provided. And the small village received more than 10,000 tourists and pilgrims in 2015. Since 2009, uh, mainly tourist corporation, I call MTC. So they took bank loans to invest in infrastructure and staff training for the locals in Tibetan, uh, in Yubon. Uh, in 2016, for every tourist to enter this village, you have to pay a fee of 247 yuan, about 40 US dollars. So the MTC provides sanitation services and they can, they're able to offer three regular stuff. And they're not local, but they are Tibetan. And they're responsible for removing solid waste from the mountain paths. And the tourists are each charged 25 yuan or four US dollars as garbage tax as they enter this, the village which the hotel owners would refund to the tourist. Uh, yet, so there are conflicts emerge between the MTC and the villagers. And the MTC said they are still in debt because of large sum put, invested in, the infra, in infrastructure, which made the mass tourism impossible. And the Yubon villagers said they are just working really hard on the hospitality, but received nothing from the ticketing revenue and the waste were not transported at all. So this dilemma uh, persists. And then in the end, the MTC agreed to pay 10,000 yuan per household or 1,500 US dollars, a one-time fee a year to cover the costs of waste disposal. So each house must provide labor to pack empty recyclable plastic water bottles for shipment in the company's trucks. And then also household must gather recyclables from waste bins to three mountain, um, set up on the three mountain paths that lead to secret sites. So the MTC were able to sold recyclables to dealers in the city and the village villagers can earn extra income by collecting and packaging. But Yubon villagers had to struggle for a fair payment and just lots of collection and packaging wouldn't solve the uh, problem of not transportation. So actually a lot of the garbage are stuck in this area, although they are sorted and packed perfectly. So here you can see the three pictures are actually obtained uh, from friends. Um, they are actually from just this past year. So you can see the garbage are carefully sorted, packed, but not transported out. So it's unclear whether MTC would hire more sanitation staff or pay the villagers to do more frequent collection or they pay to cover the transportation. With, within these struggles about waste infrastructure, a waste conflict emerged between villagers, tourists, and MTC about the nature of used garments deposited at sites along the mountain paths. 
So pilgrims and local villagers have long offered used garments at sacred sites in order to ward off pollution, a form of harm that can be produced by demons hiding in the trees and waters of local terrain. MTC wanted to try attract uh, Han Chinese tourists has marketed this practice as something quite different, an activity akin to accumulation blessing through material offering. So in my field work 2015, the Han tourists confused at first at the, by the piles of used garments they saw at the mountains, but quickly learned from their tour guide or other Han Chinese that as long as they offer something of their own, they would receive blessing. Hence, hand tourists add scarves, bracelets, hats, and even shoes to the piles of used garments they encounter in hope that their prayers will be received by the local deities. And a mother teaching her son that offering used garments to deities was a respectful behavior and not a form of littering. Some hand tourists came to appreciate the nature beauty and encounter a local culture that they assumed is imbued with a pure and religious quality. Others saw this as part of their patriotic activities. Trips are usually awarded to them by their employers. They also expect to experience a somewhat religious journey, seeking to earn merits and accumulate blessings. They also enjoy offering these garments. So Mary Douglas said, dirt is only dirt in the eyes of beholder. Tibetan locals regard as sacred trash or used garments to be discarded or to, in order to avoid bad fortune has become the treasure for Han tourists who sometimes take them home as souvenirs. As you can see here, there are necklaces on that. Moreover, the local government, the Chinese state adopted the strategy of making that which is Tibetan appear sacred, exotic, and religious in order to stimulate the growth of tourist consumption. This strategy, including the crafting a narrative of spiritual Tibetan locals who possess knowledge that is sacred and unknown to the secular Han. However, from the perspective of Tibetan locals, people live in an environment that is filled with dangerous influences from demonic powers and thus they must conduct daily activities to ward off cosmic pollution, a form of dripa. Without the Tibetan belief in power of sacred trash, Han tourists, the local government and researchers would not understand the cosmic pollution and its accordant remedies and would instead see only a solid world of a social world of consumption, development and cultural practices. By contrast, Tibetan locals' pilgrims understand cosmic pollution from demonic powers as real and threatening threats that overcome through interactions with used garments. Within the field of Yubon's waste management infrastructure, this competing cultural interpretation become highly personal dilemmas. Even while promoting the practice of gar garment offering among Han tourists, the tourism Development authorities in Yubon insist that local Tibetan trash collectors must remove excessive accumulation of garments or old piles that are beginning, beginning to rot. This combination of waste crisis and cultural interpretation of trash slash not trash have become a common concern in the daily talk among people in Yubon. 
So illustrated in this vignette, I want to say uh, to show you how the daily talk works and how these ideas of trash affects people's everyday life. So in the local, uh, one local Yubong villager, Zhoma, was waiting to be assigned a section for her family to pick up trash. And she re was recently divorced and the local Lama told her to do everything to avoid Dripa. A number was given to her and another number was given to a section of the mountain pass. So her number matched with the number associated with the section close to the mountain top where sacred sites were many. So to pick trash there meant to remove what could well be other people's offerings to deities and mountain person, Kawakapo. Those offerings items are what I call non, not trash. Removing them would break the linkage between devotees and mountain person, not only bring harm to the devotees, but also transferring the harm to the person who removed the offering. Droma and her cousin begged their close friends in the village to swap sections. They feared that by picking up trash that was not trash, they would cause dripa or cosmic pollution. So this fear of producing cosmic pollution leading to avoidance of contaminating dripa originates in the material of not trash. That is the kind of material that compresses that comprises the category of offering to deities, shapes how deities mediate the social relations between people and the environment. Used garments used to belong to specific Tibetan owners and had certain significance to them, such as a scarf blessed at a temple or garments once worn by a family. Uh, the material was unique because of personal connections made through, through it. So Latour thinks that things have agency, fear, and feelings. And so object-oriented understanding of material requires us to ask, how do things assemble? And around which matters of concern? So I focused on how used garments cause fear of cosmic pollution and how things in general have affected power. So furthermore, the waste management officials exploited these used garments in the rapid expansion of tourism and secret sites. So they, keep, they kept garments on partially to attract more tourists. In Sichuan, for example, in neighboring province, the entire mountain was covered with used garments and prayer flags on the sacred sites. So, the politics appearance kind of created this kind of oversized representation of sacred sites. The sites were filled with colors, symbols, and Tibetan script in the hope that these features will generate tourist money. Quote, we are putting a capitalist spin on the Tibetan religious practices and making them the source for profit. Unquote. So this is, comes from 2015 interview with a local government official. We must understand used garments through a different lens, through the Tibetan cosmo-economics. That is, Tibetans believe the landscape is crowded with demonic spirits and harm coming from the mountains, waters, trees, and local community, territory, etc. People are in economic exchange with them through making material offerings. Take examples of parents whose children died before coming of age. 
The parents hand their used garments of their deceased children on the mountain paths to encourage deities to guide the young spirits through the dangerous landscape crowded with frightening beings before they were reincarnated 49 days after bodily death. Hence, these used garments cannot be classified as trash objects in the waste management policies. Rather, used garments represent fear of protection against cosmic pollution and thus must be understood as actors that take part in the making of divine worlds. Used garments are lively matter because of their social potential to mobilize people to conduct social ch change. Dissatisfied with commodification of sacred sites and mountain culture, a group of local young Tibetans has begun to appreciate new and hidden sites exclusively reserved for Tibetan cosmo-economic activities. Only items left by local Tibetans, such as traditional robes in Tibetan styles, can be found in these new sacred sites. According to organizers and volunteers, deities can recognize these kind of used garments better than the non-traditional clothes worn by hand tourists, and therefore using their sites will deliver more effective protection against cosmic pollution. So the concept of used garments as non-trash also redefines the criteria by which a person is considered good, injecting the question whether one is able to recognize the same power inherent in used garments as part of the Tibetan struggle for fair development. The same power of used garments includes what the garments can mean and do on two levels. So waste management and indigenous personhood. Communities that are and can be trash have been used as reflections of ethical personhood. For example, Gay Hawkins analyzed American beauty, saying that plastic bag floating in the film represents a wistfulness of middle-class American life and values and with objects announcing a kind of degraded personhood. On the level of indigenous personhood, the idea of good person representing a sacred native culture can be also be the result of capitalist development of that culture. The Martha Kaplan followed the social life of things uh, and studied the water packed in Fiji Island and becoming the Fiji brand of bottled water and evokes nature, health, purity, and remote indigenous origin. So for two decades in the Tibetan area of Yunnan, local governments and tourist companies have deployed discourses of Tibetan environment as sacred nature without contamination and Tibetan culture as unsullied by market competition. Talk of nature has remade the relationship between villagers agents of development and increased social differences through economic means. However, Tibetans have not been passive recipients. They have created their own form of trash talk related to, related to self-fashioning. And I will share uh, one cave informant named Tenzin here. So in his uh, late 50s, and in the height of his career as government consultant. So between 2011 and 16, Denzen was the prop proponent, so supported of tourism in Tibet to a person with a considerable doubts about that process. 
He was first a government employee, led a team of designers in the mountain paths, and then he told stories of mountains and water deities, conquering demons and protecting local villages. The design firm was supposed to turn these his stories into a cultural project with multilingual interpretive storyboards placed among the mountain paths. But contract fell through and the storyboards were never erected. Instead, in those selected sacred sites, large wastebins were set up to collect plastic refuse and overflow of offerings to the deities. To most villagers, the project's failure was due to lack of investment. But for Denzen, this failure was due to high ignorance of local cultural views of used garments offering as not trash. In 2016 interview, he made the following remarks. How can these used garments as large, be large? They are people. People remember their loss by putting garments there. Garments disappear, people still live. Not all kinds of garments are here and there. They become anonymous, empty, and non-human. A kind of dripa occurs. We talk about the Huanjing environment. Do we care about Huanjing of people? We don't. I'm disappointed. I consulted with my great uncle about the abdomen of the mountain deities, Kawakapo, and others. I recorded their stories. I looked for possible locations of the abdomen of the mountains. I found some asked my nephew to take pictures for me. I wrote up stories and published them in, as a pamphlet. We want to make these new places required for all the tour guides, but not really. We want people to know the mountain as spiritual. You can see in these new places, deities of abdomen far away from the busy tourist mountain pass, several sets of used garments have already been present. They are the handmade garments crafted by local Tibetans. They won't be there forever. They disappear, not like the nylon garments that turn into laji. Of course, we picked locations while hidden in the woods, suitable for us Tibetans, the mountain people." Unquote. So Denzen was frustrated about the Han's ignorance of more than per human perspective. That is the high inability to see used garments as people and the mountain as a living being. In Tibetan areas, not everyone can name all the deities, but all are accustomed to the idea that the mountains are recognized as living and lively, and thus necessary for humans to interact with them because of the fear of cosmic pollution. In such mindful social world, punishment from contaminating pollution may come in various forms including the loss of money, unsuccessful family relations or marriage, or even death. Whenever they can, people gather enough money to launch a pilgrimage to visit greater deities in the temples of famous mountains and cities. Such travel help not only travelers themselves, but also their relatives to stay away from pollution danger. From this perspective, removing used garments as if they were waste could cancel the work of the travelers, causing many people to lose protection against pollution. So Denzen's emphasis on, human, on a human moral environment brought together the physical and the mental environments, which according to him is a task of a good person. He said, used garments are people rather than laji, and laji is waste, unpleasant quality, 
and was used widely also in other metaphor uh, context and discursively powerful. And Laji cannot convey the meaning of used garments as something set out by a good person to fight against pollution. Because used garments are the core of various everyday practices that sacralize the, uh, the landscape, they become people rather than medium or a representation of some people, used garments are people, in part because they demand that humans take responsibilities for both the physical and mental environments. Moreover, Denzel showed the understanding of being a good person involves fulfilling responsibility to care for mountain and its people. Used garments are among the mountain's people. They're not just trash. A good person is one who understands the trash problem, transforms himself or herself, and participates in creating solutions for, from a more than human perspective. Talk of trash not only involves being a good person in relation to waste, it also involves cleaning up the waste that humans left behind. So in conclusion, these talks unpack relation uh, between talk and not, uh, talk of non-trash and personhood among Tibetans and Han Chinese in the context of waste. Because of the sites where tourist waste accumulates are held sacred, the categories both waste and personhood are challenged and destabilized. First, used garments gather in these secret sites, in part because Han tourism authorities advertise such offerings as activities to acquire blessings. However, according to local custom, used garments are what Tibetan people place in the environment in order to ward off pollution and to achieve protection. Within newly established tourist infrastructure, used garments gather and grow and become objects of solid waste management that need to be removed. Yet removing used garments as large pollution or waste is actually removing the guard that people have established between demons and, the, and themselves in order to avoid dripa cosmic pollution. Hence, the local refusal to clean up this not trash appears as a refusal to participate in the modern waste management. Second, the idea of what constitutes a good person changes over time. And some Tibetans have transformed from being proponent of tourist development to being skeptical about this process. The trash problem offers opportunity for Tibetans to tackle personhood at its core and ultimately pushes them to develop a new uh, view that used garments are people. They embrace a non more than human perspective and renewed personhood by introducing ordinary objects such as used garments as people, entities that are active and even proactive. So the significance of used garments also play a crucial part in renewing traditional knowledge of local deities, sacred mountains, and the culture of cosmic pollution. From this perspective, we can see that efforts to solve the local waste problem solely within the framework of modern waste management are less effective than a pro projected. Instead, local culture experts are currently taking the ethics of deities, the same power, of used garments, the ideas about what makes a good person vis-a-vis -vis tra trash 
and working them into daily sanitation teaching for Tibetan pilgrims and Han Chinese tourists alike. Solutions that keep sacredness at the center stage rather than off stage seem to be more effective in solving the dilemma surrounding personhood and sacred trash. This is an instructive case comparable to culturally sensitive waste management around the world. So talk of trash emerged with the rise of tourism as Han Chinese assume and consume the timeless sacredness of Tibetan culture. At the same time, local Tibetans have de developed new ways of talking about cosmic pollution, such as the human moral environment and used garments as not trash to guide themselves through daily negotiation that oscillates between poles of mountain persons and consumer persons. So these are the dialectics between an inner yearning for environment made pure against cosmic pollution and the drive for accumulation within the new liberal market that is China. So that's all my talk. Thank you. Great, thank you.